This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117, with a shout out to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Keep your heads up during this time of isolation. Stay positive. Play some games. Most importantly, finish the fight. Thanks for listening to XEP. Master Chief, out. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 60 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, November 29th, 2020. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we examine the latest performance issues of the Xbox Series S and X compared to PlayStation 5. We'll take a look at Observation System Redux for review, and break down Phil Spencer's latest comments on console tribalism. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse, as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I want to do each and every week, I want to offer kind words to someone who's made my gaming week better. And this week, my kind words go to Suddy and Ribo, two friends of mine who have been jumping into multiple sessions of Gears of War 5 and Call of Duty Cold War, which has been an absolute blast. Just chatting games, jumping in, getting wrecked, and having a good old time over this past holiday week in uh, the United States, and that's been a good time. So Suddy, Ribo, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you guys, uh, and I thank you so much. To anybody else who's just jumping into the show, I appreciate you being here. If you like and enjoy the show, please feel free to jump over to iTunes and offer a quick review there, whether you're on your iDevice or you set up an account over on the PC space. Uh, If you are subscribing and you enjoy it, please feel free to share it as well. And I think uh, due to some good luck coming my way, I'm going to be sending some good luck coming your way. Uh, Keep your ears peeled over the next few weeks. I've got some codes to give away. Uh, In this episode later on, I'll be sharing a three-month Game Pass Ultimate Code. Simply put, as a thank you to so many of you who have made my year incredibly successful for Xbox uh, and for the Xbox Expansion Pass, I should say. I appreciate you guys listening to XEP. It's uh, it's certainly meant to be a unique show in that it's solo hosted and that we have guests on from time to time. Usually a third of the shows are, are guest-based, and I appreciate you guys checking it out. So thank you. Enjoy that code. Where you get it? Well, the gaming industry certainly took a much-needed break over this past week. With Thanksgiving holiday taking place in the United States, it felt like everybody was collectively breathing a sigh of relief ahead of the Cyberpunk and Immortals releases coming up in December. Game Awards are right around the corner, and a lot of people were scooping up deals left and right for Black Friday and Cyber Monday-type sales. Uh, I hope that many of you did those digitally. If you were on a quest for a next-gen console, or now a current-gen console, I should say, I hope that you were indeed successful, and I look forward to hearing your stories once you are that has been one bright point uh, for sure over the past few weeks is when people share their success stories in getting a console I will say and say again don't spend $900 to pay a scalper or anything like that wait wait take your time those new consoles will be there when they can be there uh, for sure 
Now, I want to talk about, in our first discussion point, some of the performance issues that have been raising eyebrows, mine included, over the past month, where we've seen games perform better on the less powerful PlayStation 5 than the more powerful Xbox Series X. And a couple of the reasons that might be taking place, whether or not you've been personally affected by it, noticed it, care about it, I find it to be an interesting discussion point for sure. I'm going to start, though, with some personal experiences. It's been not quite a month since we got these new consoles, and given the way that we're transitioning generations this this time, this go-around, I should say, I feel like the jump is a very different type of jump into a new generation, largely due to the fact that we have a blended generation, and many of the games you can play on your, your PlayStation 5, you could also play on your PlayStation 4. Many of the games that we in this ecosystem can play on our Xbox Series S or Xs are also available on xCloud, on PC, and our PlayStation, I'm sorry, our Xbox Ones, I should say. So... In that light, there's a lot to break down as to just how we're interpreting this new generation. And some red flags have certainly piqued my frustration points over the past few weeks. And I feel like I'm very comfortably out of the honeymoon period of a new console because the ecosystem for Xbox is meant to be compatible across so many different devices. The jump doesn't feel especially huge when it comes to things like the UI, how, how sharing things work, how looking at achievements matters. And certainly you have to acknowledge that that's something that they were going for. By the very same token, it doesn't necessarily feel new overall. I feel very much and very strongly, I should say, that this generation we are now in is an extension of the old one. And that right now, everything is just subtly improved. And I'm not playing anything new or revolutionary. Uh, I'm playing Call of Duty. It's more Call of Duty. It looks better. It when it works, it runs better. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, but it's more Call of Duty. I'm playing Gears of War 5. That game looks stunning. Stunning. And I have an LG OLED on the way. By the time you're here in this next episode, I'll be playing Gears of War at 120, and I'm so excited to see how many uh, frames per second I can pull out of this thing. I'm so stacked to see it. But even now, it's still more Gears. I'm playing Watch Dogs. It's more Watch Dogs. Over on the PlayStation side, I'm playing Miles Morales. Looks great, plays great. It's still just more Spider-Man. Nothing feels, you know, eye-opening. This is brand new, super different from what we had. I think that's a good thing, just to be very clear. But it does mean that when you are disappointed or frustrated by certain points, it can can certainly be more evident because the, the shine of a new thing falls away a little bit if it's very similar to your older thing. At least that's the point I'm trying to make here. Now, let's talk about a game specifically in a personal experience with some of my frustration points on these performance issues in Watch Dogs Legion. For weeks, I have been raving about the good times that I've been having with Watch Dogs Legion, and I'm absolutely still having a blast with it. However, I hit a save bug that has really soured my, my, my experience with Watch Dogs overall and has really capitalized on some frustration points I have for Ubisoft right now. It is, to me, unacceptable that Watch Dogs has been out for over a month at this point. The game has been had noted issues on multiple platforms in the next-gen space. And when you have things that are potentially game-breaking, like missions locking up on you, not being able to progress, not being able to uh, save, or losing save progress, which keeps people from enjoying and ending their playthroughs, to me, that's not an acceptable answer. We just got an update this past week. It does not correct the Series X save bug, which means that now one of my most favorite games uh, that's been out for over a month at this point 
is unfinishable. I continuously lose two hours plus of progress. And to me, that's not acceptable. A game that would have been my game of the year in Watch Dogs Legion has now been being sullied by this frustration point. And there's a lot of things you can say here that COVID is a factor, that you can can look at what Watch Dogs team has been putting out. They've certainly done a number of, of updates in the one month that has been there that's improved a lot of the experience points. However, when you have things like that are game-breaking, like a save that, that's reducing and, and going away, that to me has to prioritize over other things. It is all the more frustrating for me to have that save bug and know that it exists in Watch Dogs and also see that, that the PlayStation 5 in some places pre-patch, although they just patched it, but pre-patch was, being, uh, or was outperforming the Xbox Series X, the more powerful console with the marketing deal for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It's frustrating for me to see that taking place alongside this issue with watchdogs not being corrected and knowing full well that phoenix uh, immortals phoenix rising is uh, is coming out this coming week so we have a ubisoft problem that should be prioritized in getting fixed and yet they've got three open world adventure games coming out uh within a month of each other uh with it within two months total for three games and that's to me just very frustrating to know that these game breaking bugs are not being prioritized and fixed it really highlights to me that companies should be very careful with their release dates and not rush to fix things, not rush to, sorry, not rush to release things, and they should be prioritizing making sure they have the best experience for their gamers. All that being said and acknowledging it, Watch Dogs is an absolute joy. I do love it. I cannot wait to finish that game once they have fixed that that error when it comes to the save bug. But it really tempers my excitement for Immortals, which I would say is my most hyped game right now. I'm re- I just dig the art style. I want something that's that fantastical. It's not as heavy as Cyberpunk and some of the other games I've been playing. I want something that's a bit more uh, lighthearted, I would say. But knowing that we've seen performance issues in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, save problems in Watch Dogs Legion, that they've delayed the multiplayer in Watch Dogs Legion to fix the things that are already uh, broken in its release game, it really causes a frustration point for me. Immortals should have been a January game. Far Cry was already pushed, and I'm glad about it, but Watch Dogs, Assassin's Creed, and then Immortals, back-to-back, knowing that there are problems in all of them, it really tempers my excitement that was otherwise very high. I was really digging Ubisoft, um, but the save bug just, it, it frustrated me. Uh, and again, they did just put out a patch. It improves a lot of the performance issues in Watch Dogs. They put out a patch for Assassin's Creed. It has fixed the errors that were causing issues on the Series X, and it's now back to outperforming PS5. If anyone actually cares about that kind of stuff, uh, I don't. But it is a key element of our point here that, that we're getting to. Speaking, and I want to speak of, of elements that are failing me right now, Call of Duty, uh, Black Ops Cold War, uh, Cobb Lops Cow, as Lucy James called it last week, crashes my Xbox, hard crashes my Xbox after a certain amount of time playing multiplayer. I haven't dove in, uh, dived into single player just yet. I've been playing multiplayer with my friends, but every time I would play, it would crash. Short of one experience in which I was, it was suggested by uh, an Xbox content creator named Kid Smooth, he suggested that I turn off ray tracing. So I did, and I was able to get through multiple matches without it crashing my system. That said, why is it crashing my system? This is the world's most powerful console. This is meant to be one of the best, best versions of, of Call of Duty, and it's crashing the Xbox Series X. 
I've seen reports that this is also taking place over on the PlayStation side. I don't have personal experience with that because I've not played it on PlayStation 5. But it's frustrating to me to have a huge game and a huge company like Activision uh, have a bug that is so egregious it crashes an entire system. It doesn't bode well. Some reports were saying that it has it's due to the Xbox One version being downloaded by mistake. That was not the case in my in my personal experience. I, I checked it, I downloaded, re-downloaded, deleted, tried it multiple times. It, it simply put, kept crashing my system with no evident reason or fix. And Activision has released a statement saying that they are working on fixes for those crashes, which means the game is broken. Uh, I know my friend Phasma is has encountered a campaign-breaking bug over on her side. She's a writer for Season Gaming, and she can't progress through her story, at least at the time of this recording. That's not acceptable, and that's very frustrating, I think, when you have a consumer base that is buying into uh, next-gen hardware, next-gen software. They're buying into the idea that their, their games should work, and they're simply not. Some of this speculation will be highlighted, or the reasons for this this has, has been speculated on and then cleared up a bit by Microsoft. But let's look at some of these issues in performance where we're seeing PlayStation 5 outperforming uh, the stronger, more powerful console in, in the Series X. And Digital Foundry highlighted a bit of this. Again, if you've forgotten or are unfamiliar, the PlayStation 5 is uh, 10.5 teraflops. It's roughly 10, 10 teraflops in, in terms of power, whereas the Series X boasts 12 teraflops. And teraflops is this nebulous term that we use to, to discern power in a world where uh, GPU and, and, and APIs and so many frames per second and this, that, or the other, there's a lot of ways to determine what, what's powerful. In, in a console now, it's not the same as an 8-bit, and then a 16-bit is better, and 32 is better than that. It's not the same any longer. It has to do with latency speeds, compression rates, how fast you're putting things through the CPU, from the storage, from the, the velocity architecture now. Simply put, we were told this was the world's most powerful console by Microsoft. That was their narrative point. And then to see games not running as well on that system is, is a little eyebrow-raising. And I don't think it'll stick that way, but let's look at what Digital Foundry has to say. Uh, this was Richard Ledbetter, who is one of the editors for DF. He says, The dips look strange to me, and it kind of suggests some kind of problem with the API limitation on the Xbox side, where the GPU is being held back by something. He noted that Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which again, that's being promoted by Xbox. They have the marketing deal on that. It runs with... Uh, it runs far smoother on PlayStation 5, whereas on the Series X version, there's screen tearing and the frame rate dips below 60 frames per second. And that same thing is happening over with Dirt 5 in terms of image quality and resolution. And even Codemasters, the developers of Dirt 5, acknowledge that performance gap and has said the fix is already in the works. Now, this is two games, Valhalla and Dirt 5, that are being marketed and promoted by Xbox, but they have performance gaps between their primary competition in the PlayStation 5. Interestingly, there's a fix in the works for both. Ubisoft already put out a patch that I'm told cleans up all of the Valhalla issues. Ubisoft did give me a code for Valhalla. I have not touched it just yet. I was so heavy in on, on the aforementioned watchdogs and then so jaded by the aforementioned watchdogs and that save bug that I decided to just hold a little bit. Plus, my eyes are on Immortals right now, and so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I do not have a code for that one, so I'm thinking I'll just be picking that one up. But I'm, I'm, I have trepidation about that. But for fixes to be in the works to fix performance issues, this to me suggests that people uh, were not familiar enough with the hardware to prep the games properly for that. And many people in the gaming space have speculated and stated, and I've not gotten full confirmation on this one just yet, um, but 
stated that the Series X dev kits went out later than the PlayStation 5, and so developers had more time to streamline things on the PlayStation 5. It's also suggested that Sony's tools are easier to use than Microsoft. Now, whether or not that's the case is well beyond my technical knowledge. I do know that the Xbox is uh, comfortable in terms of transition from Xbox One to Series S and X. It's meant to be very easy to develop for, certainly easier than uh, the Xbox One was initially at its launch. I don't know how much how that compares to, to Sony. Really, they have very similar architecture, all things considered. And so it shouldn't be too much of a feat once developers are a little bit more comfortable with the systems. And... My expectation, given the the marketing that has been beaten to death at this point, the world's most powerful console, is that we'll see these performance issues clean up and clear out uh, in the next three to six months. And after that, there should not be a doubt in anyone's mind, third party, as to which console runs the smoothest. And I will say very clearly, for the record, I don't care which console is more powerful. That is the narrative that Microsoft PR pushes. That is not one that I care about in the slightest. I care about the fun and enjoyment that I have playing a game. Right now, if I want to be Spider-Man, that means I'm on a PlayStation 5. Dope. Cool. I'll enjoy that DualSense controller. Uh, I think it's a bit overhyped, but I'm having a good time with it. I just beat Miles today. Love it. Great game. That's where I'm going to play Spider-Man on a PlayStation 5, and there's nothing wrong with with loving multiple consoles, and I don't want that narrative to be spun up. And we'll talk about tribalism in terms of the console space uh, in a bit when we look at Phil Spencer's comments. That said, it was Xbox that pushed the narrative of most console. Games will run best. We will, you know, you'll have the best experience here. And I want to see that be the case because that's the, that it was under that guise that I spent my $500 on a Series X. I, mind you, I am very comfortable in that purchase. I love playing the games that I have over on the Xbox side. I'm, as you guys know, I'm a big Halo and Gears fan. I love Sea of Thieves and State of Decay. Those are the games that I love most and enjoy most. Uh, but I shouldn't have problems where save bugs are popping up because developers weren't comfortable working on hardware. That's not what the console space is about. The console space is about you know put it, set it, forget it, and enjoy the games without having to worry about those things. So my expectation is that in the next three to six months, those things all but clear up. I don't ever want to have to worry about things like that on major AAA releases at all. And I think it's fair to mention, we'll go with what Microsoft said here. I'm going to read you guys a quote from uh, a Microsoft spokesperson when they were responding to The Verge, who put out an article on this very topic. They said, quote, We are aware of performance issues in a handful of optimized titles for Xbox Series X and S and are actively working with our partners to identify and resolve the issues to ensure an optimal performance. As we begin a new console generation, our partners are just now scratching the surface of what next-gen consoles can do, and minor bug fixes are expected as they learn how to take full advantage of our new platform. We are eager to continue working with developers to, f- to further explore the capability of the Xbox Series X and S in the future. End quote. Yes, I buy that. I'm, I, I'm in on that. And not because it's PR speak and I'm supposed to buy it on an Xbox show. Couldn't care less about, about appeasing anybody in that sense. I buy the idea that it takes time to get the best work from a console. I'm in on that. I just think that when you lack a showcase title and then your third-party partners don't perform best on your console, it's a bad look, and I'm frustrated by that. And I I think it really hurts the overall narrative that we would otherwise have for it because the Xbox Series X is a great console. It's fast. It loads quickly. It's quiet. The controller is the best it's ever been. 
uh, and the games look incredible. For goodness sakes, I dipped into the, the reserve wallet and picked up a new TV that I was going, I'm so excited for. It's going to be here Tuesday. Woot. Uh, specifically so I can enjoy some of these games at 120 frames per second on an OLED TV. I'm so stoked for that. I also don't want to have to worry about screen tearing for bad coding and bad communication. So there's there's something to that. Uh, I, I, I think the luster on next-gen sullied a bit for me when I had to get up and reboot my Xbox because of a Call of Duty failure. When I had to get up uh, and and correct, correct uh, or rather look up, I should say, the Watchdog's error. That frustrates me. And then to see that other people are having similar issues online means that we've got a, an issue on our hands that needs to be addressed and at the very least acknowledged. Is this Red Ring of Death? Not even close. Is this something for YouTubers to make a big, massive amounts of, of clickbaity headlines for? No, it's nothing like that. It's simply a matter of making sure that you are getting the product that you were supposed to get when you spent your money. Uh, let's see, what else did I wanna talk about with NextGen before we get off this topic? Performance issue wise. I've been spending a lot of time on both consoles, for sure. Uh, most recently on the Series X, I've been reviewing Observation, I'm sorry, Observer System Redux. I'll talk about that later on in the episode. But uh, let's talk about the PlayStation 5 real quick. I've heard a lot of comparisons between, you know, the preferred UIs of the two systems, between, you know, the PlayStation 5 space and the Series X space. And the UI on the Xbox side is pretty universal across all of its, its devices, whatever you're playing it on. Uh, I've really... I like the, the quickness of the Xbox UI. It's, it's great. Due to either unfamiliarity or, or bad design, and I can't quite land where I feel on it, I think the PlayStation 5's UI is bad. I think it's bad. Maybe it's just me, and if any of you are multi-console owners and you're listening to this show, I would love to know what you think, but I think the PlayStation 5 UI is just bad. Little things get in the way of navigating it. I understand the card system, but it just seems obtuse. Uh, trying to look up things, particularly trophies, very frustrating when I'm playing through Miles. I just want to look at which trophies I need to work on, and it's buried in multiple submenus. And um, my expectation is that they are going to, rather than let it sit the way they did with the XMB on the PlayStations 3 and 4 and Vita and all that, I think we'll see a big old redesign of the PlayStation 5 at some point over the next two years, uh, maybe even ahead of when they launch, like, PS5 Pro or Slim or whatever they can do to get that size of that system down. Uh, I, I would imagine you do a full redesign there. Whereas on the Xbox side, I think you'll be looking at those tiles for quite a while. I think they might move some things around and adjust and streamline. But I find the Xbox UI very usable. But my understanding also from people that are not comfortable with it or haven't been using it, they feel that it's a bit difficult to navigate and learn. So I'm, I'm maybe it's because I've been in that ecosystem so long I'm very comfortable with it. And again, I would love to know what you guys think. Tweet me, at Ghost. Let me know your thoughts on the UIs for these next-gen systems. Uh, let me know if you've had any performance issues on either the PS5 or the Xbox Series S or X. I'm curious if you've had crashing issues in Call of Duty, save bug issues in a Ubisoft title. Uh, are you playing old back compact games because i've had not a single problem with any of the back compact games at all they've, they've all run brilliantly it's just the newer stuff and i will afford a, a grace period of three ish months or so when it comes to new things however um after that i don't think it's excusable i think given the pandemic given the fact that we got new consoles out new games out in the middle of all that i am okay for giving it but uh ubisoft man it's because they're releasing the open world games i'm back and forth on it all right, I need to get off this topic because it's I'm beginning to get cyclical logic here. Let me know what you guys think. And sip a ghost.
Well, that was the longest segment I think I've ever done with a very small topic such as that. Uh, let's go with a different topic. This one having to do with Phil Spencer's comments on tribalism in the gaming space. Phil Spencer did an interview with The Verge, and he got a couple quotes that I pulled out here, and I really just wanted to briefly touch on a few of them because I think it's worth noting. I've been I guessed it on another show recently, and they had this discussion, and I disagreed with one of the panelists, and I and I wanted to steadfast state my, my feelings on it. But let's look at his quotes. He was talking about the way that gamers are are often interact with one another and how they as a company view competition and what it is they look for people to do and he seemed to land on how toxic brand loyalty can actually be damaging to the industry and and phil spencer has lamented this multiple times uh certainly he's had to be part of conversations where they were prolific i think in the early xbox one days and, and in the 360 days especially we saw a lot of uh, toxic, you know, my brand versus your brand, a lot of my, my console versus your console. The console wars are a tale as old as Nintendo and Sega for sure. But I, I, I think it's taken on a new light in recent years with social media spaces and brand loyalty becoming something of uh, a method or a mechanism to attack other people. And I think there's a big difference between defending your purchase choice and, and enjoying and supporting the games you like and going after other people because they don't like what you do. And I'm going to read you his quotes and then we'll, we'll see what we think of it. Uh, the first quote that stood out to me, he said, we're in an entertainment business. The biggest competitor we have is apathy over the products and services and games that we build. So there, on the off bat, Spencer's noting that the biggest competitor that they as a, a console and game maker, publisher, etc., is people not caring. That's their primary competitor. And I think that speaks to the bigger overarching theme of what we've seen uh, Spencer's era Xbox try to do in that they want engagement on their platforms. And the, the Xbox, as it were, is only one of those platforms with PC, with xCloud, uh, with crossplay set of devices like when you're on your, your, your Switch and you're playing Minecraft and you log into Xbox Live. There's a lot of, of, of approach to that. But apathy is not something that they can they can put on your screen. They can't uh, combat that and get it onto a screen somehow. So it makes sense to me in that particular respect. But then he, he went on to talk about how uh, certain people will like to see others fail in order to achieve their goals. And that is a, a frustrating point. And he called it, you know, console tribalism. And I'm going to read his quote here. He says, that tribalism in, in, in the industry, if there is anything that would ever drive me out of the industry, it's actually that. When a team releases something into the market for the world to tear apart on the internet, it's, it's just such a brave thing for the team to do. I'm never going to vote against any creative team or any product team to do poorly because I have a competitive product. It's not in me, and I don't actually think it helps us in the long run of the industry. End quote. I like that. I really appreciate that idea. He went on to say, quote, But there is a core that just really hates the other consumer product. Man, that's just so off-putting to me. To me, it's one of the worst things in our industry. End quote. I feel like every week we talk about a Phil Spencer quote uh, on this show. And of course, that makes sense because the discussion points are Xbox ecosystem. But I really take to heart this idea uh, and really the ideas of not wanting to see competitors fail or creative teams fail because it hurts the industry overall. The idea that rising tides lift all boats, I think, is important. And this is now me speaking after reading his, his words. 
I really think it's very important that we note and acknowledge that. When you see a team that is successful, there are a lot of ways to support it, buying the product, sharing the product. In Microsoft's case, they identified that they have a very serious IP issue and they noted it years ago and they worked to try and fix it. Hellblade was one of the best PlayStation exclusives. Well, then it became multi-plat and now Hellblade 2 is going to be exclusive to the Xbox platform. To me, that's supporting a product and supporting a brand that needed to be picked up. And it, did, it was done so without attacking another group. And I think that's important to note. When it comes to a, a more personal aspect of this, this is an Xbox ecosystem show. That is the purpose of this show. But I make no bones about it, and I work to actually include it in many of the topics that I play games on other platforms. And I think that if you have the ability and the finances, you should too. That it is not... A, a place, XCP is not a place for anyone to come to expect me to bash other consoles and other places. Uh, I will certainly offer criticisms where I feel they are relevant, but I do not enjoy that, that argument of I bought this, therefore it's better. Or I'm buying this one because the other one sucks. No, dog. Like, that's not the case. We are now in a gaming state where it's very possible and conceivable and understandable that Nintendo, PlayStation, and Xbox can all win this generation. They all made massive amounts of money in the last generation, and that that shocked and surprised me when I first understood it, and then I realized why Xbox was making as much money as it is through its services, through its subscription pa uh, passes with Game Pass and Xbox Live Gold, uh, through its engagement numbers and live service games like Sea of Thieves and, and uh, even the multiplayer components of Gears and Halo. Xbox is making massive amounts of money despite being in third place in console sales. Then moving forward now to combat Stadia and Luna in the cloud-based gaming space, working to bring in things like Bethesda to their first-party slate of studios, having EA Play and Game Pass, they are working to become the most uh, valuable subscription service that there has ever been in the world of gaming and perhaps ever could be. And that is not intended to be hyperbole. Sony has unrivaled first-party IP. Sorry, Nintendo. I think Sony's got you beat at this point. It's more creative. It's more relevant to my personal interests, and they are crushing it with games like God of War and Spider-Man, Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us Part Two. You look at any of the game awards, and there's consistently a Sony-published title. That can't be ignored, and yet despite all that, my chosen ecosystem happens to be Xbox because I, I enjoy those games better. There is a, a an idea that Liking one thing means you must hate another, and that is polar, and it is, in my opinion, immature. And I'm here to tell you right now, I, if you're listening to this show and you you want that or you're disappointed that you don't get that here, you're listening to the wrong show. I'd rather have a smaller audience uh, of this, I would argue, pretty humble, humble, small audience anyway. I would rather have a smaller audience of people that genuinely enjoy and celebrate games than a toxic one that, that includes and goes after that tribalistic approach. And... When we say that, there's a big difference between critiquing and offering discussion points and having debates that are spirited and attacking the other person. When it becomes vicious, it's tribal and it's hostile, and I don't enjoy that. Uh, and I often see in the gaming space, particularly uh, in a year where Black Lives Matter movements came out, where we see creators of color being spotlighted and then people jumping to, to attack that and the foolishness that goes around with the, those, those people, that, there's no place for that in gaming. Gaming inherently is for everyone, and everyone deserves to enjoy and celebrate this medium and, and see games that reflect who they are and what their interests are. And I just don't 
I, I don't enjoy the tribalistic aspect. And, and I personally, I, I, I exclude it from my timelines. When I see that on my timeline, it's a mute. It's not even a block because I would rather those people yell and waste energy yelling without any audience for it. Um, so maybe that's just me. I don't know what you guys think. Let me know. I mean, maybe maybe I'm just just blabbing here, but let me know what you guys think on, on this topic here. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's it for that one. This is Sissy Jones, the voice of Fury in Darksiders 3. Be a dear, won't you? And listen to the Xbox expansion pass. You don't want to be on the receiving end of my whip. <laughs> now, in the weeks where the Xbox Series X came out, I picked up a review code for Observer System Redux that was provided by Evolve. I just recently had time to actually go in and start playing it. I'm a couple hours in. Uh, this is a horror slash mystery title from Bloober team. If you're familiar with Bloober, they're making the medium, which is not yet coming out. Uh, they moved their date because of cyberpunk, but they also have made the I, games that I really enjoyed in Blair Witch and Layers of Fear. I mean, just really great horror development studio. I, I dig uh, Bloober team for sure. And Observer was out already on Xbox One, and System Redux is the upgraded and improved visual version for Series S and X. And early on, I'm really enjoying my time with Observer System Redux. It is uh, definitely got some scary moments, jump scares and atmospheric scares, but it's very different to me than something like Blair Witch or Layers of Fear because it's set in the year 2084 in a very cyberpunk era. And it is fitting that it's coming, that, that it's out now ahead of cyberpunk and all that, but it's not the same visual aesthetic. It's fascinating because you are playing as a detective who's going in search of his son after he gets a mysterious message from him, seemingly through one of his cyberpunk, uh, you know, additives to his body. And you're in, you go to an apartment complex or its future equivalent, I should say, and you have to investigate a murder that you are not sure whether or not it's your son whose head has been decapitated. There's allusions to possible monsters being in this complex because you're locked in there in that complex for a lockdown reason. You don't know why it's taking place. And you go about this complex scanning and moving about in first person. Uh, you have two different scan modes, a technological and a biological. And you scan the environments and try to piece together elements of a puzzle. Again, in many ways, this is a thriller and a mystery game, not a horror game. Plenty of moments had me scared, but it was really an unsettling element uh, of the world that just put me on edge versus monsters jumping out every two seconds or something like Blair Witch haunting me in the woods. I will save some of those more scary elements for you to, to discover on your own, but I am enjoying my time in Observer, uh, and I want to play a quick homage to the audio design. I At first point, I wondered if my headset was messed up because I got a lot of static stuff uh, in there. And, of course, I'm using the, the Arctis 7X, and that's an incredible headset from SteelSeries. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? No, it was the sound design. And then as I moved about and through these worlds, I realized the closer I would get to something that had electronic feedback, I'd get the, the more static pickup uh, and go further away, and then things would move around me. And I really got a lot of eerie senses. If you are into horror games... Check out Observer System Redux. It's a must-buy for horror fans, for sure. If you like mysteries, I'm sure it's not going to be overly costly to, to check out that one. I, I'm rather enjoying it, and Bloober Team does good stuff. It is not nearly as, I should say, 
uh, there's no there's far fewer gimmicks like when you look at their upcoming game the medium you can see what they're trying to do with the dual worlds this is not necessarily the case there and if you played observer on xbox one there's probably not a huge reason to upgrade to the series s or x version this is my first time playing it and i i dig it i dig it Alrighty guys, let's get to listener mail here. Several of you writing in with questions for this week, and I, I like these questions, if I'm being honest with you. I want to go with BetterMan77 first. He asks, Luke, do you ever suffer from gaming fatigue? I occasionally just sit and stare at my games and not knowing what to play and end up either going on to old fail-safe games like Call of Duty or Farming Simulator, or I just watch a movie. BetterMan77, I absolutely know what you're talking about, and yes, Yes, I certainly do, particularly in the last two months or so. I defaulted back to Gears 5, and I've been having an absolute ball playing in the latest operation for that because I was getting a little burned out and trying to play and beat games for coverage purposes. Uh, you know, of course, Watch Dogs is when I talked about. Call of Duty was when I put some time into. And then really just, just trying out a lot of different other games uh, in this launch window. Just finished Miles Morales, Gears of War Tactics I'm working my way through. Um, there's been a lot of stuff that I've been trying to play for coverage purposes ahead of Immortals and Cyberpunk, and it's just not happening. Like, I, I know I talked about Valhalla. They've given me a code for that one. I have not even touched it yet. There's just too much on my plate solo, and I do get game uh, gaming fatigue and paralysis where I just don't know what new I want to play, and I default back to old things. But I think that's a good thing when we when we do that because it gives us perspective. If you are stressing to finish games, and this is advice that I, I offer and still know full well I need to take myself. If you're stressing to finish a game, then you're not enjoying the game the way it's intended. And in all likelihood, if you're listening to this show, you are uh, a gaming enthusiast and not a journalist. And in that sense, you should be enthusiastically enjoying the games you love and not trying to play the latest and greatest just to be part of the conversation for a week on Twitter. It's a lesson that I consistently try to remind myself of. Uh, I had to learn it painfully with Valhalla. I'm seeing people play, what is it, uh, Immortals for Review and Cyberpunk for Review, and I'm not in those crowds right now. And I'm like, oh, gosh, man, I really wish. And at the same time, it's like, I need to breathe right now. I've got to breathe because I've got these new consoles. I don't want to be rushing my time playing these new games. Better man, if you're getting gaming fatigue, take a break, man. Go outside, read a book. Uh, go for walks it's things that I do myself I go sit on my porch for an evening instead of playing because it can't always be about getting that next level of the battle pass or beating, getting that next achievement or, or being able to tweet about the next big game with a couple people for just a little bit and I say that knowing full well that I'm the guy that runs a solo show and tries to cover lots of things solo it's not realistic man it's not realistic for anybody even the IGN crew uh, with their, their massive gaming staff the GameSpot crew with their gaming staff their their writers get fatigue so it makes perfect sense if you're trying to catch up if you're tired man don't don't try to do the next biggest thing take a break take a break man nothing wrong with that i'm going to keep this next question in the same like window block on the show stubbs gaming writes in and i think i'm going to be on Stubbs show in a few weeks actually uh he says do you ever suffer from podcast fatigue yes Yes, I do. Absolutely. Like gaming fatigue, it is very tough in the podcast space to keep up with everything my friends in the in the creative space are putting out, plus the people that I like to look forward to. You know, I enjoy and there's a slate of, of content creators that I enjoy consuming content from in the big like in the big time. Jeff Grubb, uh, What's Good Games, Podcast Unlocked. Uh, those are my jam. 
right? And then I have friends that I play games with all the time. I play with Mr. Badbit regularly. I, can, I don't have time to listen to the trophy room each and every week, and I doubt he does for me. And my good friend Adam Leonard, who does the art and sound effects for the show, uh, he does the Mega Dads on his show. I don't have time to listen to all, all of his stuff either. And it, it does hurt hurt me a little bit knowing I can't be there to listen to every show. But Stubbs, if you've given those people the iTunes reviews and the downloads and you're not able to catch every episode, you're still supporting them. Man, if you're engaging with them on Twitter or on their social media platform of choice and, and sharing stuff, you're still supporting them. But if you can't catch every episode from a content creator, myself included, dude, that's cool. That's absolutely fine. I, there's just not enough time in the day to do everything we want to do. And that goes to back to Better Man's question about gaming fatigue. Nothing wrong with that. There's really nothing wrong with that. I cannot play or listen to all the things I want to. It's just not realistic. I got to work. I got a wife. I got to hang out with my dog and, and do all these other just things that are important for life. And uh, it can't all be about gaming. And that's that's a, a good lesson to remind ourselves of and advice that I consistently have to give myself as well. One of my favorite human beings, Edward Varnell, writes in with the kind of question that only Edward Varnell would write in. He even alluded to it on Twitter saying that he'll... Uh, he knows that I shake my head, or that I will shake my head whenever I read his questions. And yep, I sure do, Edward. And Mr. Varnell writes in saying, "Since Ninja Theory is part of Microsoft Game Studios, will there be a rivalry against Platinum Games if Ninja Theory goes back to stylized action, and if Ninja Theory acquires more recognition than Platinum Games? What must Platinum do to match it, and will that include Nintendo?" No, Edward, there's no rivalry. I don't think Ninja Theory gives a hoot about what Platinum Games is doing, and nor should they. Ninja Theory has a much better track record uh, of high-quality stuff of late than Platinum Games does. And I say that knowing full well that Bleeding Edge came out. But when you acknowledge Project Mara and the amount of people working on their respective projects and what Hellblade and Hellblade 2 now look to be doing, it's just not even close to anything Platinum Games has produced. They're not in the same realm, and I don't think they would need to be you wouldn't want them to be as for a rivalry no not even close man i just don't think i don't think that's something that they would even consider or or go with and i honestly don't think the industry operates like that i don't think you know one studio thinks that their biggest rival is is another studio i don't think that's how they operate typically when two studios make similar types of games the teammates know each other the team members know each other and and chat and dialogue about different things at various times that's why E3 is as big as it was. The GDC, the Game Developers Conference, is as big as it is. These people do love comparing notes because at the end of the day, they just want to make games. At least that's my interpretation of it. But no, I don't think there's a rivalry there, Edward. The last two questions of this episode, which ended up being longer than I expected for sure, come from Mr. Famous Seamus himself, always writing in with the great questions. And I think he asked the same question last week, but I'll, I'll jump in with the answer again. Uh, he says, any recommendations for the Xbox store, the Black Friday, Cyber Monday deals, any or other digital stores? Uh, yes. Okay, so I did other digital stores, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But uh, Game Pass right now is $22 at Target, like $23 at Best Buy and Amazon. And Target lets you get, I think, three at a time. Uh, Amazon and Best Buy were one at a time, I believe. But I bought multiple and stacked it, and that's absolutely what you guys should do. Uh, for sure, everybody should be getting Game Pass. If you see it on sale, stack that mess because there's no way it stays uh, at $15 uh, for Game Pass Ultimate for a month or whatever, and you can get it you know, on sale pretty well. Three months for $22 is a great deal. I know I'm good through 2023. I, th I think I, mine stops in January 2023 or so. Um, 
and I, I bought enough to stack all the way through 2024, but instead I'm going to share some of those codes with you guys because you guys are awesome. Mr. Ribo Flamins, uh, he claimed the first code. Somebody that reviewed the show claimed it, another code, and I've got a couple more to give away uh, on this episode. As for other games that I would recommend you, you check out, most of them are actually in Game Pass. Uh, Famous Seamus. Most of them are in Game Pass, like Jedi Fallen Order, Game Pass, Titanfall 2, Game Pass. There's so many other. Darksiders, Genesis, Game Pass. You, most of them are in Game Pass. So that's what I'll suggest there. But I did notice that Amazon had Yakuza Like a Dragon for 40 bucks. Uh, if you are into Yakuza, that's a great price for that game. I'm not a big Yakuza guy myself, but people are there. Microsoft has controllers on sale for 40 bucks, and those are absolutely a great price for those new Series X controllers with the clicky buttons. I dig them. Uh, those were the, my suggestions to you. And then your second question was, have I tried a game on Game Pass that I'd never heard of but end up loving? Mine would be Wondersong. Uh, yeah, in a couple places that happened. Um, uh, Tetris Effect was was one I had heard of but really didn't consider, but then I, I jumped in on that and, and loved it. Uh, Rush Disney Adventure, really dug that game. Was surprised how much I liked it just for a fun, you know, like palate cleanser game. Fun twin six-shooter named Xenocrisis. I'd never heard of that one. Check that one out because of Game Pass, and it was dope. Uh, and then I have other, like, Game Pass success stories. It was Darksiders 3 that got me into all of Darksiders, and I love Darksiders now. Like, what's weird, right? But I've even read the book. I like it. Um, and then, like, Metro Exodus really got me into Metro, uh, and it had me play through Exodus and then back into the older Metro games, and that was fun. Uh, so, yeah, Game Pass is a great window into other stuff. Uh, and in that exact light, I think I'm going to give away a, a Game Pass code right now. So if you've got your fingers ready, uh, the first come, first serve on this one when this goes out. Three months of Game Pass Ultimate. The code is RMMC7GXRXVP6F47KQP. T X nine Q M J Z. There you go, guys. There is a code for three months Game Pass Ultimate. Good luck to you. I don't know when you're listening or if you got through the episode in time, but do give it a shot. Three months of Game Pass Ultimate for free. Enjoy that, guys. Thanks for listening to XCP. You guys are awesome. Alrighty, guys. I think that's gonna wrap us up for this week. I really appreciate all of you who did took the time to check out the interview with Lucy James last week, and for so many of you writing in, uh, offering congratulations for my getting to appear on the kind of funny X cast. That was a blast for me. I made the fabled mistake of going in and looking at the comments on that episode of the kind of funny X cast and real talk. A lot of you guys showed up and said kind words about about me being there, and I appreciate that. And that matters to me because. You know, the idea that maybe they would want to have me back on or, or it helps, you know, other people decide if they want to have me on their show. And, and then really and truly something that, that I've um, been struggling in the last month or so because of uh, the holidays coming up and COVID and whatnot. It's hard to get in touch with developers that are able to come on right now because their products are ready to go and, and release windows and such. So uh, it helps get my name out there to talk to other developers. And that's something I, I really want to keep doing. I love having on content creator people like McCaffrey and Grubb and James and et cetera, but it's developers that I enjoy talking to as well. So, uh, you know, keep your eyes peeled on that one. I'd love to keep, if you have connections, I'd love to talk to more developers. It's always a, it's always a fun thing for me. That is it for me, guys. Thank you for listening to this show. I wish you good tidings in this coming week ahead of Immortals, ahead of Cyberpunk. Let me know what you're going to be picking up. You can find me on Twitter at InsipidGhost, Gmail, InsipidGhost at gmail.com, and of course, InsipidGhost on PSN and Xbox Live. Take care, guys. 